This week on Karate Chop Bullying, we have a double dose of interview. We start with the student who will regale us with his terrifying tale of bullying that got so bad that he ended up in the emergency room and the school did nothing. We follow that up with another tale of a school doing nothing as we talk to a parent whose daughter is currently in school being bullied for years and the school doesn't help. Let's hit that music and let's get into it. Before we start our double header of interviews, I want to bring in my co-host, my compatriot, my very own Tim Flynn. Tim, how are you doing today? I'm doing wonderful, Bruce. Like every weekend, I get to do what I love to do, and that's teach martial arts, and I get to help co-host this podcast with you and help break the silence of bullying. Well, normally we have a bunch of banter, but this week we have two interviews, so we're going to get right to it. Joining us first is the student. Well, the former student, he's currently a working musician, but back in the day, he was bullied so badly he ended up in the hospital. Joining us now is Jay Putty to tell us his story. Jay, thank you for joining us. Bruce, Tim, thank you so much for having me today. Uh, Very grateful to be here on this platform. Thank you for everything that you both do to give voice to those who have been afflicted by some of the, you know, most common tragedies that come across those who grow up. So thank you for having me today. Sadly, as horrible as your story is, it's also not that uncommon, though maybe not as extreme. Yeah, uh, when it comes down to it, the sad part about bullying as a child is it's almost as common as breathing at this point. And that can be attributed to family dynamics, insecurities, or just growing up, um, that we all have something inside of us that We have to let out in some way, shape or form, visceral or not. I, I kind of come from a very weird dynamic. You know, I grew up in a, in a Catholic household. So my parents wanted to send me to a good Catholic school. And little did we know when you go to a Catholic school, private school in general, you are going to be subjected to the politics of it. So when I was growing up, I was fat, nerdy kid. I was one of those ones who like loved like Adult Swim, the anime, Inuyasha, Yu Yu Hakusho, Yu-Gi-Oh, all that kind of stuff. If it was on past like midnight on Adult Swim, I was probably watching it because it was the only chance I got to like digest Japanese media. If you can't tell from like behind me right now, I have like a whole plethora of Funko Pops. Were you an anomaly in your neighborhood? Were you like the only kid who had these interests? Was there a community for you or were you an outlier? I was definitely an outlier. So when I was growing up, I grew up up in the same household that my parents built uh, when they first got married. Uh, And it was like an older neighborhood. So there was not a lot of kids there. My two older brothers, one was really, really into baseball and the other was kind of like a loner. So when I went to St. Teresa, which was the school I ended up going to, it's closed now so I can say it. I grew up in the same class of about 12 people. That's how small our classes were. I could probably still name every single person that went uh, from like kindergarten all the way up to sixth grade when I stopped going there. Uh, So I was the outlier because I was the only person who didn't grow up with them in preschool. And, you know, it's it's private school. So it's it's very clickish just because. I I don't want to say like in, in a way like the parents like caused it, but like with them it's like always 
we have to take them to a really great private preschool and we have to take them to a really good private elementary school and a really good private high school. Like every single one of the people that I ended up going to school with all ended up going to like the same high school, the same private school, the same college. Like everything was very like structured around like the power dynamic there. I was the only one except one person who ended up coming to school later. His name was Logan Lindauer. He was the first person I ever had like the whole like secret handshake with great person. Even to this day, his dad came to my grandma's funeral back in February. Great human being, great family. But I, I, I was kind of like the loner there. So it was really, really easy to find the nerdy kid who kind of sat across the playground when everyone else was playing because he was either reading a manga, playing with Yu-Gi-Oh cards or my favorite was Beyblades. You remember those? Let it rip. Yep. They came right after the pogs. Oh, yes. Oh, my God. Yes. So I was sitting there uh, against this like steel steel shed because they had this gray. And I was like, oh, this is this is my baby blade arena. So I would literally be on the playground just like like ripping it, trying to, to play Beyblades. And that's kind of like when uh, it started, because the bully was just. It was a bully. Uh, and you were easy pickings so easy like the dude who's always away from uh the crowd um man he would just like come up and just be like oh you want to be friends and all that and just slap me in the face so the violence started right away not like right away but it was like you you know how like a, a bully would like you know i see you over here man how are you doing you want to be friends and you're like friend yeah i would love that so like a couple recesses he'd like be really nice and then like you know look back at his friends like ha ha and you're just like oh cool like i have someone talking to me and then eventually it would kind of like go to like uh the whole like you know punch buggy and then it escalates to like the the slap in the face all for the jokes because that's what i was there for i, I was the punchline and it, it went on for about a year or two you know it didn't start until i was like like fifth grade and sixth grade was when it started being really bad. This same dude, his sister was also a menace. My mom was the uh, the special education uh, assistant there. She taught Marion Day. That's what we called it. And his sister would like bully the special needs kids. That's the kind of people we're talking about right there. So when it came to it, I was on the basket. Uh, what was the blacktop? We called it the parking lot. All that kind of stuff playing basketball and shooting with uh, my boy Logan, who was like the only friend I had during there, him or Alex uh, Dillman, who was ended up being a special needs one. I didn't know that growing up, but getting to a circle and essentially he's like, okay, we're going to play basketball now. Like does the whole like quintessential, like bully thing. Like when I say in the, in that story that I have on like my uh, Instagram or TikTok, like when he acted like he was like a bully from like the eighties, I've watched every John Hughes movie. This dude wanted to be a John Hughes bully so bad. Uh, but did the whole like, oh, let's play basketball. And then does that. So we're playing and he takes the ball from me. He goes, oh, cool. What about this? Just straight up headbutts me and like shatters this part of my nose, my cheekbones and all that. I'm going back like blood's going and his friends are like, OK, we're going to go. We're going to go distract the teacher and all that. They get me up. And they're like, OK get like wipe the no like the blood from my nose and like you're good right it was just an accident right and i'm like mm-hmm just an accident so that incident goes by the time i get home my mom is like oh your your nose is sideways you can kind of see it it's a little big right here uh it's it's went down since 
If you saw uh, some pictures when I like finally went to like high school, I looked like I had pregnancy nose. I didn't know what that was for the longest time until my friend Chanel got pregnant and her nose went from like this to like that. <laughs> uh, but nose was swelled, but it also was like right here. It was like that. And my mom's like, we should probably go to the hospital. And they're like, yeah, like, dude, everything right here is shattered. You know, finally talked to the doctor and I was like, and they're like, what happened? I was like, it was an accident. And the doctor immediately goes, okay, cool. I heard it's an accident. What actually happened to you? So told the story a couple days later after like got like the original, like it's like a cast kind of, it's just basically like a hard piece of plastic, like put your nose and up getting something called a green stick fracture uh, for the first one. Uh, basically takes like a nose. It's like, like this and like straightens it out like that had huge tampons in my nose, like literally like that long, just straight back in the nasal cavity. Um, I ended up having like about four of them like that. Uh, I still remember, I think it was like the second or third time my wife would know this one, but uh, we just started dating at the time. She's like, oh, my boyfriend just had surgery and he's like out of it and all that. So uh, here I am laying in bed. Uh, I was like 14, 15 at the time. It was a couple years afterwards. First time meeting my uh, now mother-in-law. And my wife comes in checking on me, turns around, and I slap her ass. Great introduction to my uh, future mother-in-law. But that's a side, uh, side tangent. So when the doctor asked you like how that happened, you told him, and was that when your mom found out that some kid shattered your face? Oh, no. She, she knew because she worked at the school. She knew exactly what happened. And it's, it's one of those ones where it's like, you bring them, uh, bring them to the doctor. You just try, like try and go through through the motion. But when the doctor hears it's an accident from the child, they look to the parents. So go through the whole story about everything like that. And so the doctor's like, we should probably like talk to somebody. And that's when we finally bring in, we should probably bring the police. We should probably talk into, uh, the principal and all that. And about a week or so passes, like I literally had to have someone walk with me. To class. Her name was Madeline Deweese. She's a sweetheart. She walked me to class to make sure that this dude wouldn't like with me after this. So we're sitting there with the principal. We have my parents. We have their parents and a police officer. Looking back on it, I'm just like, whoever thought that it would be wise to have not only the bully there giving your statement, but the parents and a police officer is fucking stupid. Talk about intimidation. So I'm sitting there, I say what happens, I say what's been happening, and they go, insert name here that I'm not going to drop. What do you have to say about this? And he goes, yeah, I did it. And they're like, why did you do it? I can get away with it. My parents donate a lot of money to your school. What are you going to do? Kick me out? Kick out that money? They'll take out my sister. What are you going to do? Joy LaDuke, who got fired after this. I'm always good at uh, dropping her name because she sucked. Uh, she was not a nice person at all to anybody. She got fired. That was the principal. So after that happened, uh, my parents were like, okay, everything's out in the open now. We need to press charges because we can't afford the medical bills that are coming now from this surgery. So we threatened to sue. That same summer, they blew up our mailbox a couple times. They put like firecrackers and all that, like the M, like M83s. The kids, or did the parents, because in this town, you never know. It was the kids who did it. So did that, and that's what led us to go, cool, like, we'll just settle out of court. Like, nothing crazy. We just said, any of these surgeries that come up over the next, you know, five to ten years, you guys are well to pay for it. And they're like, cool, yeah, we'll do that. And we won't press charges, all that kind of stuff. 
And after that got settled, <sighs> you realize that at 11 years old, you always think it's you. You're, you're the reason. Like when you're that young, if someone really like goes through all these lengths, it's your fault, right? Why else would anybody, when you're that young, do anything else but bully you because you are the exact reason? So after I had my first green suit fracture, that was when we found out on the table twice that I am allergic to all painkillers, every single one you can think of. It sounds hyperbolic, but Demerol, Codeine, Lortab, Oxycontin, Toradol, Vicodin, you name it. It'll stop my heart. Even NSAIDs, even Advil, acetaminophen? I can take those. I can take like ibuprofen, acetaminophen, Excedrin. So you can't take narcotics of any kind? Not even a little bit. So I can't even have like, being a musician, I can't even have like the fun drug addiction. It's only fun at the start. Yeah. My my mom is the same way, so she can't take any painkillers either. We found that out that I had that while I was on the table, heart stopped twice because of anaphylaxis. And so after all that goes on, you've basically spent the last month of your life running, hiding, your mailbox is blown up, you have surgery, then you almost die. You're like, cool, I am the problem. All of this bad stuff is happening. I am the problem. So I take some of the uh, lone painkillers I can take. I can't remember what it was. What, what was the medication that Michael Jackson took? Propofol. The only reason why I remember this is because when I got this medicine was the same year that he passed away. That's showing my age a little bit, but I tried to overdose on that. And my mom was like, we're not having this. She's like, Almost lost you twice on the table. Now I'll throw a third time in there by you actually trying to overdose on like pain meds. They scrounged together $50. I just remember $50 being in my head. And my mom was like, going to go to a Walmart. But first thing we did, we saw uh, Garfield, Tale of Two Kitties. Movie sucked, by the way. <laughs> East side off of Green River. And my mom takes me to Walmart and she goes, you have $50. You can get whatever you want. Whatever video game, whatever toy, whatever. But whatever it is. You have to play with it in the family room. Do you remember when you used to be able to walk into like Walmart or Target with like first act guitars, like those really, really cheap guitars for like 40 bucks? I don't. I don't think I've seen them. Oh, dude. Back in like the early 2000s, they were everywhere. First act, the Adam Levine one. I got the Adam Levine acoustic guitar, $39.95. And my mom was like, you know what? No. You're not going to get a guitar. Your older brother tried to do it a couple years ago. He tried to play like all the Jonas Brothers songs from Johnny Tsunami. You're not doing it. I'm just like, mom, you said I can get anything I wanted. So her fear was that I was going to pick up this guitar and I was going to put it down. Now her fear is that I picked up this guitar and I've never put it down. I basically went home that day and I didn't know how to play guitar. I did the whole like classic, like couldn't play chords or whatever, but I did like the whole like strum it. But I'm one of the really rare lucky ones that, that can say like music saved me in a way that isn't like oh, music saved me. It, it truly did. I started writing songs that day. They were all shit, but having an outlet that allowed me to express all these emotions, like all this anger I had inside myself was a game changer. And I say this is why I ended up being an emo kid growing up, because my first band I was in was like emo metal, like. A hot topic in early 2006. We all know exactly what we're talking about. My Chemical Romance, Hawthorne Heights. That was me. Think about a kid that looked like that. That was me. Before we get too far away from it, I want to ask a couple questions about back in the school day. Before the big incident, had you told anybody you were being bullied? Had you tried to get any kind of assistance with the situation from what would be considered the proper authorities? Honestly, no. 
too scared to like legitimately when you're when you're that alone everything you do you blame yourself you're like cool like if if i'm getting picked on it's because of me so i i never went to the authorities or anyone really because i always just believed it was my fault i still have like i feel like i still internalize a lot of that now anytime anyone has anything bad to say about me it's because of my own doing and it's my fault i i wish i did like i really did like even now like part of me is like how much would have been different if i actually would have just said it if you could go back and talk to 11 year old you what advice would you give him oh i would tell him that it's not your fault i would tell him that you're going to learn one day that some people are just bad and that doesn't mean that's you you are going to be surrounded by people who love you and it's going to be tough you're going to feel like you're not going to get through it but by the skin of your teeth, you'll get through it and it'll be okay. No great advice, just take the punches. You had mentioned that you have internalized and you still to some degree feel that if something goes wrong, somehow it's on you, it's your fault in in some way, shape or form. What other long-term ramifications have there been from the bullying? I'm a yes man. If anyone asks me at any given time to do anything at all, I have this complex where I literally cannot say no. If you ask me to be there, I will be there. If a friend asks me if they need help with anything, monetarily, energy, time-wise, I'm there. But also, if we're talking like things that have lasted, I do content in, in artist development now for clients. One of the biggest things that has stuck with me is I have something called post-concussion syndrome now. It looks different for a lot of people because the brain is just very weird. I have I have a really bad stutter and I will tend to forget things in the middle of my sentence. So like for example, like I'll be talking to a client and I'll be like, "All right, so here is what I'm going to say next because I have to think about it really really hard. Because if not, I'm a porky pigot." And what I mean by it, I'll be like, "This is that it, 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 yeah, this is that's bullshit." That's how I'll sound. I'm I'm I always say I I really am one of the lucky ones that I was really, really lucky that I had an incredible support system. Uh, My mom, my two older brothers are incredible human beings. Uh, My dad, God rest his soul, was even better for me. I didn't have that lasting too long. I ended up finding music and uh, they transferred me real quick out of private school into public school, which I ended up finding some people that they're still friends to this day. Some of the first people I met when I moved to uh, public school, uh, Jacob Plew, uh, Josh Bertram, I ended up writing my first K-pop number one for a band back in 2019 with. So I, I, I really am one of the lucky ones that the lasting effects didn't last too long. I have some like issues that I, I work through, but I'm not one of the ones that you, you, you probably work with that sadly have had to go through it. And I, I never want to trivialize anyone else that has to go through some of these things. It's, it's horrible that it's one, one of those things that, like I said at the beginning of the call, it's almost as common as breathing at this point, And it sucks. It really does. When I posted that uh, same video that, that I saw and contacted you over. The amount of parents in the comments, but even worse in the DMs that basically were sending out Hail Marys of my son's going through this right now. I don't know what to do. And to know that there's a possibility that one of them went to bed without one of their, their child because of it tears me up because I wish that 
kindness was a little more free than the latter, but it's not. What is becoming a reoccurring theme on the show for me, certainly, is a general disappointment in the school system's handling of children. What's your opinion of how schools, principals, social workers treat bullying? I'll be honest, I'm not equipped to be able to like answer that at a high level because it's such a nuanced question and such a profound one that you guys are asking for that. But I, I just feel like teachers are very underequipped to be able to handle these just because when you get down to it, when you ask for like the real response that you want to get, they do that. They're damned if they do, damned if they don't. I think the reason why is because schools don't have a system in place too. Something comes up, I don't know how to handle it. Mm -hmm. I want to do this way, but that's not what's approved by the school board, whatever. So I think the lack of systems, I think schools, and they're probably confused too. We don't know what to do because bullying can be, there's so many different levels of bullying. It's hard to cater to each case. But what I think would be a good start is kid who feels bullied, there should be someone at school appointed just to listen and let them get it out. They don't need to go talk to that bully, but the kid needs to know that there's someone at school that believes them and supports them. So at least they're not feeling lonely like you did at school. That's what sucks too, because you bring that up and it's like, cool, like let's regulate that. I went to private school. They don't have to do that. And if they do, like it's one of those ones where I wish it was just more common practice just to go, cool, just come to me. This is a safe place to listen. That's it. I, I just want to listen to you because sometimes like that's all you need. Mm -hmm. Even if it was just catching breadcrumbs of like, okay, cool. Like this has been going on for a year, Jay, younger Jay. They started like making fun of you. And now you started like noticing that it was escalating a little bit more. I'm going to start like keeping tabs on that. So that way I step in naturally versus, and I think that goes back to what you were saying, Tim, like more of a, like a system in place. But again, like it's such a nuanced conversation and it's one of those ones that if you would have seen some of the comments on that post of like, if it was my son, I would have told him to come in there or like, I would have shot up the school. It just shows how like nuanced everything is that, you know, on one side, parents are like, cool, if you're getting bullied, I want you to like be the aggressor back or, hey, this is happening to you. I want you to be the one who ends it and I don't care how you do it. That's not necessarily the kid's fault. That's the parent's upbringing too. Yeah. That's what the kid hears. They don't know any better. Yeah, I think this needs to be taken not just like a school level, but it needs to be like a government level. I know the CDC has stuff out there, but you don't know it unless you search it. My kids go to private school. I have students that go to private school, and one kid just got suspended because he fought back against a so-called bully. I know this kid pretty well. This kid would not hurt a fly. He's so little and fragile, and he's being suspended for fighting back at his bully. And I get it. They're in a tough spot, too. This person gives us a lot of money. How do we handle it? If we're really going to like change this conversation, it starts and ends with giving kids a safe place because we can't overarch and parent. People are going to parent their kids because a lot of times when that happens, it's never the outcome you want. So giving them a safe place to actually go where they feel like they can actually be kids, that's where it needs to go and that's where it needs to stay. On a more positive note, you found music. Can you talk a little bit about how that has changed your life? I am so grateful that I found that first that guitar because I learned to channel all that inner angst into songwriting and lyrics. And even now, it sounds so bad because it sounds like a plug. You know, after about 18 years, I've been finally able to talk about it. After losing my dad and losing my friend, Brendan, 
I've been able to, you know, write songs that kind of talk about how life does suck sometimes. But what's great about life is every valley as deep as it goes, there is a mountaintop that is just as beautiful and grandiose as you think it is. If you feel like you're in the in the midst of a valley, the best days are yet to come. You know, that's why I, I write music now. It's not for anything else besides trying to overcome life and all of its obstacles because I believe that with every dark day there really is an absolutely beautiful beginning somewhere down the line. We can ask ourselves a million questions as to why things happen. One of the things I have learned over the last couple of years is that there are just some questions we will never find the answer to. And where can our listeners find your music? Uh, grocery stores near you, uh, Bush Gardens commercials, and anyone in Iowa who has a mom. Because I, I have a running joke that my music sounds like what dads in jorts in white New Balances look like. We all know exactly what I'm talking about. But no, if uh, if anyone is is curious, uh, my music can be found at uh, on Spotify. J Putty, J A Y P U T T Y, Putty like the silly kind. If anything, I'd rather people listen to a podcast like this and hear stories from better individuals than I am whenever they need to, because the world needs more people that give voice to the voiceless than some dude who has a guitar. So that is my thoughts. Well, thank you for that. Moving on from the experience of the student, let's now talk to a parent who had her own experiences with the bullying of her child. Joining us now is Colleen Bidwell. Colleen, how are you doing tonight? Hi, I'm doing well tonight. Thank you. I've had the pleasure to work with Colleen's children for the past two and a half, three years. Say, Colleen, is that about right? Yeah, that's right. Coming up at the end of this year will be four years that my two kids have had the pleasure of coming with uh, at Kato Karate, and uh, we've loved it. So, Colleen, tell us about yourself and your family. Well, as you said, I'm Colleen Bidwell. Uh, we are from small town right outside of Mankato, Minnesota. My husband and I have three kids total. One is already out of the house, and two of them have a junior high and an elementary age student. Both of them students at Kato Karate and students here in the Mankato district. I've known you for a few years now, and you've brought up to me a few times that your kids are being bullied. What can I do for resources? And that's kind of one of the reasons why I told Bruce about why we're doing this podcast is because we're trying to reach as many people as possible and try to cover these topics that I can't necessarily cover in class. Can you tell us what's going on with your kids in school and their experience with bullying? Yes. So our youngest is about to turn 11 soon. She she's definitely had a really, really hard time with other classmates and other areas of life that she's just been um, severely bullied in. When did it start? I mean, right away, young at life before she was in grade school. Um, it's It's been her whole life, I would say. Yeah, like I say, background on her, uh, she is adopted. My husband and I got to adopt her going on almost four years ago. Um, it is, uh, but she is a family member, so it's called the kinship adoption. Um, so obviously, I've got to know her almost her whole life. And she comes along with that some mental disabilities plus severe, severe trauma. Um, which then goes to the classroom and that creates just a lot of areas that she has been a, vulnerable to um, being bullied. 
in just many areas. I mean, sometimes it's even adults who just don't understand kids with special needs or kids that just need a little, we always say just a little extra love in their day, a little extra patience, but most definitely in the classroom, things that she struggles hard with her ADHD. So that just creates, oh, how would you say it? She creates extra noise that she creates from herself almost. Is she on the spectrum? Does she have something like Tourette's? What specifically are her differences? Her primary diagnosis is FASD, which is fetal alcohol spectrum disorder. Um, And under that is an umbrella of many, many things added with that as trauma from the life of her past and things like that. So with FASD, it can look, there's no um, direct roadmap of all that. It is, it, it affects everyone differently in your body, shows it differently to each person and in the way that you're also raised through that from birth on, obviously. So looking at her, she looks totally normal. You would never expect that even when she's adopted because she is also a good family or two that she even has any form of a disability at all. Uh, she just looks like a normal, you know, right now, 10 year old girl loves her hair done and her bows and her skirts and dresses and all that stuff, but loves mud puddles on the other side of that too. <laughs> and like I said, you wouldn't know she had any issues. So then when other students see her and she is being triggered in some form, um, and then that trigger comes out in a verbal aggression, sometimes it's been a physical aggression, but not so much on that, I guess. But then she receives things differently when a student might say something like, oh, I like your dress today. She immediately goes to a defense mode. Students don't understand that, you know, she's in fourth grade right now. Fourth graders don't understand, oh, I thought I was giving you a compliment, but you received it in a negative way. Or even small things um, as a somebody is tapping their pencil in the classroom. Those outside noises really trigger her and it's really hard for her to focus in the classroom. So if she might be trying to internalize and trying to calm herself in the moment, but then all of a sudden she can't hold it in anymore type of a thing and just explodes. And again, that creates opportunities in moments that students are like, oh, well, she she can't handle it herself. She's just mean because she, you know, she's acting this way. Then it just adds after that. What kind of bullying is she experiencing? Is she getting pushed? Is she getting name called? For sure, lots of verbal aggression from other students. Um, there was actually just an incident about a week ago that there's a girl in her class, particular that she really struggles with, that seems to target her often. Um, and they were leaving the lunch line, and this girl, it, she described it to me, and I could just like it seemed like it was a like a silly like movie scene to me. But this girl ended up dumping her milk carton down the front of her new dress that she had gotten. You know, she got this new dress for something, and she was excited, and she you know. She was talking to her friends at school about it. Oh, look at my cute new dress. And then this girl after lunch dumped milk all over her and said, oh, I guess your dress isn't cute anymore, is it? And, you know, that just obviously wrecked her day. Yeah. Was that the first incident with this particular girl? Oh, no. No. So this is an established bully of your daughter. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. This girl creates lots of isolation in the classroom, on the playground. If any other student, boy or girl, is trying to play with my daughter, this other bully will make them stop playing with her or will also bully that student until they basically stop. 
that's about a four year long bully incident that we've been dealing with the milk pouring incident. How did the school respond to that? <laughs> uh, well, not good. There was really no response. I contacted her teacher about it and then also the social worker at the school. And it came that back to just be, oh, it was an accident. The student didn't mean to do that. And so I said, well, was did you talk to either one of the girls? Well, no, we really didn't talk to them. But, you know, we're going to make her say sorry to her into it. I never got a follow up that it actually happened. Is that a standard response when something happens to your daughter? Often. Yep. I feel sometimes that because of her special needs and she can be a difficult child in the classroom that she is just shoved aside all the time. You know, if she has a bad day in the classroom and I try to respond to the teacher about it, the teacher just turns it around and saying, well, she needs to figure it out and she needs to do this immediately in the classroom where she doesn't have that brain capacity to even do those things. You know, she takes our normal children can, um, you know, almost automatically say, okay, I'm not going to do whatever it is I'm doing that's upsetting the teacher or the classroom. For her, it could take a week or two weeks to kind of regulate herself and teach her that those things are, you know, that's the teacher's asking me this thing. So I need to learn to do that stuff. Does the school know that she's being targeted for bullying or do they even think she's being bullied at all? Yes. They do know? Yes. I have talked with, again, the social worker at the school uh, multiple times a week. We're on a, Almost, I would say two, three times a week, we have a phone call. Uh, she is wonderful. She's a great resource that I'm able to just help communicate with the teacher to the principal and things like that. I have, but I have contacted the principal, who great again is a really wonderful man. Um, he does a great job, but um, the I would say like that individual care is kind of lacking at times, and so maybe I'm a appearing as a an annoying parent who is constantly calling, constantly complaining. But when my child is constantly coming home with milk covered all over her body or, you know, torn clothes or whatever, you know, coming home crying because mom, this girl did it again to me or mom, I don't want to go to school today. Please let me stay home today. Or can I please switch schools right now because I can't stand going to school to see this person or the group of people that sometimes it can be. Has your daughter brought her concerns to her teacher? Yeah. And if so, yep. if so, what did the teachers say to her? In each year that it's happened, each teacher is different in their responses. In the past, she's had some seasoned teachers, and they are very sweet and kind and are able to work through it in the classroom. Um, this is the first year that I've ever had to take it to the principal because it's gotten so bad. The Current teacher is a little less seasoned um, and a little more stern in her classroom, in which if that's how she wants to run her classroom, I'm fine with it. But don't ignore the problems that are happening. What could the school do better to help address these issues? Hmm. Uh, accountability is, I feel, huge, not just from the bullying, but from the, you know, the recipient of it as well. Yes, my daughter needs to learn how to react appropriately to this bully. You know, we don't want her to retaliate in a negative way, of course, but accountability for this bully and then communicating in between parents, I think is huge. This one particular uh, student that we have the issue with, I've never spoke to her parents, but there's some days that I, <laughs> I want to just get on the phone and say, you know, your daughter's so mean and your daughter's this. And obviously I know that that's not 
the most appropriate constructive way to do so. But definitely have an accountability of if this is happening in the classroom or the school, whatever age is happening, that, you know, this is your consequence for your action and we are going to hold it to you. And, you know, starting young, that apologies, apologies are hard, no matter if you're in kindergarten or you're an adult, it's hard to apologize. So if you just work on that sincere apology, I feel that it definitely can make an impact. Do you feel that having the school arrange a meeting between you and the parent of this particular child who for four years has been torturing your child, would that not be a useful thing? Are they unwilling to do that? I brought it up one time to have a, that parent to parent meeting and I was just kind of shut down immediately. Nope. We don't want to create any, any troubles. We don't want any hurt feelings. So we want to just take care of it internally. I would like to do that. What trouble would come? What trouble are they expecting? I don't know. I don't, yeah. And also hurt feelings. Is there not already hurt feelings? Is your daughter not coming home crying almost daily? So what hurt feelings are we sparing here? Right. Yeah. I was not given a clear answer. It was just basically a no, let it go kind of a response. You know, a week before this podcast, I put a poll out there to various Facebook groups, including our own Kid or Cry parents group and then other anti-bullying groups. And the question was, do you feel the schools are doing enough to prevent bullying? One person said yes. But out of like 40 responses, they all said no, except for, well, there's two that said they added something to it. But majority of people said no. But this one guy made a comment, and this falls, and I love this comment. The schools need to believe the ones who come seeking help. Nothing makes a child lose trust and respect for those in positions of authority who say, if I didn't see it, it doesn't happen. Wow. You know, I kind of feel that's what's happening here with your daughter. Mm -hmm. Oh, she didn't mean to spill the milk. Well, did you see it? I mean, your daughter's going to tell her a different story. The other girl doesn't want to get in trouble. She's going to say, oh, that was by accident. Yeah. Wow. Whoever wrote that, I mean, amen to that. That's Look, I'm an adult example of that. The school's so drop the ball on me that I do have a natural distrust of authority that goes to this day because I generally assume much like the school district that dealt with me, that incompetence and a general lack of actually caring is the norm. So that is how I view all of authority at this point. That's a good point, Bruce, because look at the kids mm-hmm. right now getting out of high school, how a lot of older folks, like these kids have no respect for authority but then you kind of look back, well, how are they treated in school when they turned to authority and they're getting ignored? Because mm-hmm. I don't remember seeing a bunch of riots back when I was in high school, people getting upset. I mean, it seems like people today have lost trust of authority and we have elementary schools already kind of showing this to young kids. Oh, I didn't mm-hmm. see it. Or it was just by accident. They pretty much shut down that person's like your daughters, they, they kind of shut her down. It's not a big deal. I mean, if I had a new clothes, someone spilled stuff on me and I know they did it on purpose, I want more than an apology. You know, right. <laughs> I want something else. I don't know what that is going to be. Forget the clothes and all of that. What you want, if this is a reoccurring theme, for the teacher to not pay it attention, that means the teacher, whether they're saying it out loud or not, simply either doesn't believe the child or doesn't care whether it's happening or not. And my experience led me to believe they didn't care whether it was happening or not, because that was just an annoyance to them and it wasn't happening to them. So you have these teachers and this principal, oh, I didn't want to hurt the other kid's feelings. Okay, well, in the balance of that, this kid is hurting my feelings, my child's feelings. 
And that's okay because that's the damage done. But if we try to address it, that's going to hurt their feelings or their parents' feelings. And it's just very wrong-minded. To be honest with you, as much as you said that this sounds like this principal is this wonderful person, he sounds incompetent to me. And I will call that out because if we're talking four years, something should be done because you don't accidentally, you don't happenstancely commit the same act over and over for four years. That's a willful act of ignoring. Yeah. And how do you handle that emotionally? How do you deal with this on a day-to-day basis? Because this poor girl, and this is your daughter. In our household, (laughs) therapy, (laughs) Uh, which is wonderful. Um, We do a lot of journaling together to, you know, have a healthy way to release all those feelings that we're having from school. And just at school or at home, I'm just reminding her that, you know, she's not you know, those positive things that I tell her at home. She's not the things that these girls in school are telling her or, you know, she has support and she has love at home, regardless of what she's not feeling in school. I would say (laughs) my husband's a saint because and my daughter comes home and she has these feelings and I, as mom in the moment, I'm trying to keep my cool and trying to remind her that, you know, no, it's not fair. You know, this is the right thing to do and so on then he'll come home later in the day. And (laughs) typically I end up releasing all of my emotions to my husband in a, usually a crying puddle of, of a mess at that time. Uh, yeah, that's, it's hard. It's definitely not not an easy thing to handle because like you said, I just don't feel like there's any way to resolve it because we're just kind of told forget about it and let it go type of a situation all the time. Is your daughter in therapy because of the bullying? Is that kind of what she mostly needs help with? No, it definitely is a huge, huge part of our therapy. But it, it she was in therapy to begin with her past trauma stuff. Okay. That was the beginning of therapy. And now it has become, you know, now it's become because of the bullying and the stuff that's continued with that. Also, at their school, they have a lot of little outbreak groups with the social workers there. Um, And they've tried to create just social groups between my daughter and and this bully and these other girls that there's issues with in class. And that group particularly did not help. It made things almost worse, I feel like. What kind of idiot would take your daughter? Here are the people that are torching her. We're going to stick her with them so that she can be alone with them. Right. Yeah. When I found out that was happening, <laughs> yeah, I feel you. I feel the same way. When I found that one was happening, um, I said, no, I said, that's not healthy. You're, you know, like you said, you're not going to put her in a room. Yes, there is a social worker or a teacher there at the, you know, and it's a small group of girls, but you're not going to put her in a room to be, you know, shoved in the corner and tortured for 15 minutes of a little friendship group time. You know, you know we want, we want her to have positive friendships. You know, obviously this bully is not going away and this bully most likely will go through junior high and high school. And when she's an adult with her own children, hopefully someday that she's going, oh, yes, I remember how it feels because this girl did it to me, too, back when I was in fourth grade. So, like I said, I stopped that group and I said, no way. She is in very good, positive, structured groups with some other people who have become really good friends with her. And those ones, I obviously support and love those. Have you considered talking to somebody higher up at the school district? 
I have considered it. Um, I just, I don't even actually know where to start. I've thought about it, but where to start is the struggle. Are you afraid of retaliation? Um, some of it, like, you know, if I went to say the higher up, would it come back down on the teacher? And then the teacher who already seems to sometimes have an issue with my daughter or wanting to give that, you know, make her feel welcome in the classroom. Is she going to retaliate on my daughter more? Is she going to retaliate to me or, you know, different stuff like that? So that's kind of a fear is if I keep pushing the issue, what's going to happen to my daughter? Is it going to get worse? It sounds like the school systems need, they're trying to prevent bullying. They need to put somebody in charge, like have a small committee, because obviously, Colleen, you're not the only one experiencing this. I hear it from a lot of my parents in this school, and maybe you hear it from them too. But it seems to be a common theme where it's not their problem, or they didn't mean it, or your kid did this, your kid said this first, which started the whole thing, which you know is a straight lie, because I know some of these kids, they no, they won't say stuff like this. Yeah. <laughs> you know, maybe I'm being biased a little bit, but no, I know these kids. It seems like the schools are really good at deflecting their responsibility away. Yes. It's like we said earlier, it's not helping these kids build trust with authority, which will cause a problem later on in life. Yep, you're, you're right. Do you have any advice for other parents in a similar situation to you? Mm-hmm. I would say, first, if you are a parent of a special needs child, wherever they are on the spectrum or not, Find support within like-minded parents. You know, find support in your school or your community, wherever that may be, with other parents of other special needs children. That's huge. That is, as a parent, other parents in my community, when I'm struggling and I'm going, oh, I'm just having a tough day with my daughter or this happened with her and I don't know how to respond to it from the school. And those people are definitely wonderful um, and a lot of help. And then also, like, never, never think that you're the annoying parent. Never, never stop arguing with the school that if it feels like it's just a never ending thing and you're never going to win, never stop. You know, you, you are your child, your child's first defense. So defend them at all costs, no matter what, just make sure that they know that you've got their back. That's super important. Also other programs that they could get involved in such, you know, such as Kato Karate um, and other programs like that, that they can also find friendship and support and feel loved in those areas as well. Find somewhere for yourself, for them, and just never stop, never stop fighting for them. My heart breaks for you. I'm angry for you. The school should be doing so much more for your family and can only hope that through finding other parents going through this, through reaching out as a collective, through programs like this podcast, through other anti-bullying programs, that a difference can be made. But thank you for coming on to talk with us, to share your story with us. You know, we're here to help as much as we can, however we can. Yeah. Oh, thank you, Colleen, for sharing your story. I think the more we can tell you stories from people... Someone's got to listen and start taking action. And that's what we're trying to do. I mean, other parents in the greater Mankato area, if you you feel that you need support or you feel you just need need another parent to just love you through this whole situation that you're struggling with your own child, I'd love for you to reach out to me. I'd love to connect with you. Um, I'd love to have that community and partnership with you and to help support you and maybe together, you know, we can also just make small differences in our community, maybe even 
grand, large differences in our community to to stop this. Um, our kids don't deserve it. Your kid does not deserve it. So yeah, reach out to the program and I'd be happy to partner with you. Anybody who wants to reach out to Colleen, you send us an email at karatechopbullying at gmail.com and we will put you in contact with her. Find strength in numbers. She's there for you. We're here for you and we will connect you. Well, it was great to be on here. I appreciate all that and I appreciate everyone that is making a difference. Again, thank you for coming on. Playing us out this week is The Best Days Are Yet to Come by Jay Putty, who you can find on TikTok and Instagram at Jay Putty, exactly as it sounds. And if you would like to reach out and be put in contact with Colleen, all you need to do is send us an email and do that at karatechopbullying at gmail.com. There is strength in numbers, and she is looking forward to talking to you. If you yourself are the victim of bullying or you know somebody who is, you can reach out for more information and advice, and you can do that at the government's own anti-bullying website, stopbullying.gov. In addition to that, there is another resource, which is www.pacer.org backslash bullying. And if you feel like you can't go on, there's no hope please feel free to reach out to the National Suicide Hotline at 988. This is Tim Flynn with Bruce Naxon. We're here to break the silence on bullying. And join us next week as we will continue this conversation. 